You've tuned into another episode of Radio Free HPC, the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and a variety of high-tech topics. I'm Dan Olds from Intersect 360 Research, joined as always by my co-hosts, Henry Newman of Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and our near-millennial standout, Jesse Lanham. In association with our media partner, HPC Wire, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic and scintillating episode of Radio Free HPC. We've got a full crew here today with Henry speaking to us from his survivalist compound down in sunny Las Cruces, New Mexico. How's it going, Henry? Great, Dan. Good to hear it. And Jesse Lanham from comfortably ensconced in West Lafayette, Indiana. Jesse, what is up? I am doing all right. It is beautifully sunny with a solid foot of snow, and I am enjoying that weather combination. Foot of snow. Nice. Very nice. Have you reached out to Henry for snow removal tips and tricks? I honestly, I have a very short front walk, and weirdly enough, I don't mind shoveling. I hate mowing my grass, but I don't mind shoveling. Whereas I love mowing grass or did, I can't stand shoveling. <laughs> yeah, but you had a snow you had a snowblower, didn't you, Henry? Yeah, but there are parts you couldn't use to snowblower. You had to shovel. I would have re-architected those parts to make them snowblower friendly, but that's just me. Yeah. Okay. So we have some interesting stuff ahead of us. First up, it's official. NVIDIA is no longer pursuing ARM. They have called the deal off as of yesterday when we're recording this. Thoughts, comments, other than the fact that we were right. I love that we keep announcing that we're right in every little increment that we possibly can just to nail home <laughs> our correct. I can't help myself. I can't resist no, it. It was, it was bound to happen given the monopoly and the worldwide objection by multiple governments. And I would just like to point out in, again, discussing our rightness, we were right early on this. We were correct right out of the gate. Well, yeah, it's true. Kind of, kind of, it kind of doesn't matter, though, Dan. Oh, it matters, Henry. Oh, it matters. Maybe to you, it didn't. Dan's not to competitive me. in the least. Other <laughs> pods, other pods out there thought this was great. Industry analyst gave it a thumbs up. This is just a fantastic move on the part of Nvidia. Good job. We retained our objectivity and our analytical framework and saw the flaws in the deal early on. I'm going to crow about that a little bit. You're welcome to Dan. I think we should, you know, we, we should move on. I don't disagree. And, you know, and I think as we have fewer and fewer companies around the world control, since you have multiple competing interests in multiple countries, you're going to see fewer and future, fewer large mergers like this ever get through again. Yeah, That's the massive, massive merger in tech is probably over. Yep. No, yeah. so that brings up the question. It's kind of a little segue. Ooh, will, segue. Spirit and front, will Spirit and Frontier merge? And I'm, guess, I'm guessing even a merger of that, I think mergers of any size that change competition even – 
within the U.S., I think it's not going to happen. Well, Frontier Airline, as we refer to them around our hacienda, is known as Critter Air because they've got (laughs) critters painted on their airplanes. I don't know. I feel like Frontier and Spirit might be far enough outside of the technology bubble where that that could continue to go through. Yes. I think that it can go through because neither one of them is really dominant anywhere. But that's far afield from our HPC focus. No, I don't think it is. I think it's related to any merger going forward, honestly. I think there are two low-cost airlines, and you have, you know, you only have Southwest left as a low-cost airline. So I don't think it's going to happen. Well, we will see. But we will note that prediction of yours in our big predictions book. So moving on. Intel made some waves today or yesterday in talking about their new investment in fabs for risk five. That's a pretty big deal. It's a huge deal, Dan. And the point that Intel made, the little number they put, 60 billion cores by 2025. So that's 12 cores for every man, woman, and child on the planet. What does that really mean given how many people really have cores? That's a lot of cores, man. It means somebody owes me 12 cores. I know that. Well, That's one I think thing. You'll, you'll get them in your refrigerator or any of the devices you get in the future. Cool. Okay. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting development for RISC V. Also, the first real push for Intel to get that foundry service going. Well, I think it, it, it's... A, Intel is investing in risk five from a fab perspective. I believe that there's more to it than just fab. What do you think? I believe in my mind, risk five is the equivalent of Linux. And those who did not invest in Linux early on got in trouble financially. And we can name all those companies. And those who did invest in Linux early on did pretty well in the compute side. I believe that RISC-V is the equivalent of Linux for hardware and that open source and open source tools and all of that that go with RISC-V, Intel sees the writing on the wall that they might, the x86 domination that's existed for, you know, 40 years might be coming to an end. Possible. It's possible. Jesse, you got a thought on this? I don't know, because I feel like I haven't been around in the industry long enough to really look at those huge trends like that and bet on them well. But that would be really fascinating if what Henry says does come true. It would be. I'm just naturally skeptical about these big trends for a while. I do think this is a a great validation of risk five. Absolutely. But I got to see some cores being turned out and I've got to see more of it in use which, you know, hopefully we'll see soon. I don't think it's quite ready to, well, it's obviously not ready to take over from x86, and they still have ARM to fight through. I think ARM still has a lot of range to grow in HPC. If you look at the number of companies that are moving to RISC-V for, to replace their ASICs and their ARM chips in the storage world, in the peripheral world, there's just a lot of movement to it. I think we shall see, but I, I think by 2020, by the end of this year, it will, will have, you'll have a good indication how this is moved for, how fast this is going to move forward, just from a cost point of view. 
Well, speaking of by the end of this year, I'm going to have to remind you of our dinner bet because I, I, one I Henry remember, S. Newman I, did I bet that, that there would be a RISC five supercomputer on the list this year. And I still am sticking with that. Really? I'm not, not as confident as I used to be, but I'm still <laughs> believe it'll happen. It's still early, Dan. He's got some time. It ain't that early. And it ain't that early, Jesse. The I'm one he's right. trying to root for you, Henry. The one it's he's trying to root for me, but I, I'm trying to be realistic. Well, the one he's betting on is the European exascale system. And that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Not this true. year. Yeah. 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 Now with COVID kind of messed that up. I thought we'd be over it. I don't think it was COVID. I think it was just they're kind of spinning their wheels a bit in the design phase. Well, so, and then I, I believe that there are vendors coming in and offering them large chunks of money not to do risk five. Perhaps. Perhaps. Again, we'll find out in the fullness of time, or it could be one of those things we never find out about. Oh, but here's the problem. Our dinner at supercomputing is before the top 500 announcement. How are we going to do that? Well, oh. being an esteemed member of the press, I get the early release, Henry. <laughs> so I will have it in hand Saturday, Friday or Saturday. I'll have it before our set traditional Saturday dinner. Yeah. Well, the question is, can you even tell me or just say <laughs> over under? <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you what restaurant to show up at and tell you to bring the beefiest credit card you have. <laughs> and that, that will be your signal that you have lost that bet. <laughs> and I'm supposed to believe you, Dan. The list doesn't lie, man. Okay. Although I might. <laughs> anyway, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the 2022 Winter Classic Invitational Student Cluster Competition, which got underway on Monday the 7th. It is on. It's yeah, explain all Explain a little bit about the format this year, Dan, because it's a pretty the interesting way to do competition. Yeah, the architecture is different than any other cluster competition. And what we're doing is we've matched up four mentor organizations, and the students will virtually spend a week on clusters at each of those four organizations. Then they'll have a week off, then a week on with another org, then a week off, etc. And the organizations right now, they are busily working on HP, CG, and LINPAC, at the uh, the kind folks with the kind folks from HPE mentoring them on HPE clusters. So all 10 teams are now busily working away on those benchmarks courtesy of HPE. The other thing I want to point out, HPE recorded about five and a half hours of instruction for the students. They covered a lot of ground. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been going well. We have not 10, not 11, but 12 teams in this competition. Some universities are sending two, which is fantastic. There's just been a lot of interest in it. So that's good. So this competition is going to go from now until probably the first week in April. We're stretching it out, and I think it's going to be a much better educational experience for the students, which translates into much better jobs and things like that. Well, and the access to large companies for these kids, I think that's really good. It's not like HP or any of the companies are going to all these smaller universities to go recruiting. So this is awesome. You're doing it, Dan. 
and the mentors, let me give you the list, HPE, we have AWS will be mentoring an application towards the end of the period. We've got NASA Ames, who's going to have them working out on some of the NAS parallel benchmarks. And we've got the venerable Oak Ridge. So you got some big names in HPC nationwide. We do. And we probably Dan, could have gotten, we probably congratulations. Could have some more. Well, thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. And what you do for these kids is awesome. Well, but don't it doesn't stop there. The other thing that we're doing is Addison and I of Intersect 360 are putting up thousand bucks of our own money towards uh, a scholarship for the most outstanding student on each team. And how are you picking that? We have a proprietary process, but it'll be through the judges' interviews. It'll be also based on what the team members themselves think, who they think was their MVP. Nice. And uh, I take it there will be some questions? There will be some questions. We are not going to talk about that yet right now, Henry, because it's going to be a surprise for the students week after next week. Oh, Dan, I knew that. I wasn't going to give away Oh, that's not where you're going? Okay. No, no, I know. I, was I don't even, want the, I don't even want the fact given away that we're going to be asking them any. Although I guess that's kind of out of the bag if they watch this podcast, which would mean odds they were one of the low. 16. Odds are extremely low. Extremely low. Vanishingly small. This is a really cool way to do a cluster competition. And like cluster comps it in really general is. are awesome for students getting involved in HBC and they teach you so so much so it's it's pretty fantastic opportunity and what i like about this architecture jesse is that it gives them time for the stuff to sink in oh yeah for well, sure being able to do this what, stuff across a larger span of time is something that i wish you know if i got to redo it over i would have loved to have done a competition like this to yeah have it sink in and to to get your be able to like take a break, sit on it, and then do some extra reading instead of having to just pound through stuff automatically. Yeah. Well, I think I think the, the big beauty of this and the approach you took, Dan, is they're learning about a bunch of different application domains and about managing systems from experts rather than trying to figure it out on their own. So there, there's a huge learning curve for kids anyway, and this give, this gives them the intense information in a variety of different areas over a short period of time. It's pretty awesome. The other thing is it's a completely level playing field, both in the instruction they're going to get and in the hardware they're going to use. Yep. So there's not going to be one team with 16 GPUs and another team with three. They're all going to be on the same systems. And I think that makes a big difference. And, you know, that also really defines the competition in that this is a competition that's based on running and optimizing HPC applications, not system administration or anything like that. So running, characterizing, profiling, and optimizing. So it's a good thing. There's also the HPC Jumpstart Award to the winning university. We are going to work with a couple of our platinum sponsors to spend some money and develop a lab, probably small, but it's more than what the vast majority of these teams have at their universities. Dan, good thinking. And thank you, Henry, for being on the board of advisors for this competition. Well, I hope I can add some value. You have. You have. But it's now time for Henry Newman's Reasons Why Nobody Should Ever Be Online 
ever. What do you got, Henry? This is something new. It's fraud at a scale that I've never, not never seen. So there's this thing I read on Krebs about a fake investor named John Bernard sinks a Norwegian green shipping dream. So this company had this dream of building green ships that can, they're completely environmentally friendly. They were going to be solar, run on fuels that uh, were renewable, et cetera, et cetera. And he's working on getting, they get investors. So, so found when you this, say he, you mean the grifter? Oh, the, excuse me, the company. I'm sorry. I, oh, I the company. Said oh, they. Okay. I should have said they, not he. Good point, then. So the grifter, or whatever you want to call him. Bilker. Clint. Hustler. Yeah. Swindler. Yeah, hustler. Bunko yeah. artist. Scanner. <laughs> scammer. Flim flam yeah. man. Yeah. Montebank. Yeah. Or fleecer. Yeah. Or all of the above. Or all of the above. Um, but I do prefer the term grifter. So he's he running a long he, con. Yeah. He said he could secure $100 million from the founders of Uber and this artist noted in the weekend. And he fleeced the company, you know, the company is out of $30 million with the promise of lucrative investments. Well, that was, his pseudonym this time was John Bernard. Last time was John Clifton Davies. Uh, he's a convicted fraudster in absentia. And it looks like, you know, where do they find these people who have no conscience? I mean, it's got to be a mental health issue. Yeah. 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 I would. Yeah, I uh, love highly... stories of fraud purely because of the, the fraudsters that are involved. You sit there and you wonder what goes on inside your head. And the like, acting how did jobs you, How do. did you come to be? Yeah. I would highly recommend a TV series that ran for two or three seasons called The Imposter. That's all about a woman playing the long, long con on various people. Fascinating, the techniques involved. Well, there was that woman in New York who was doing pretending to be a billionaire socialite, and she just got convicted. I think Netflix is releasing a documentary on that soon, actually. Oh, really? Oh, really? I, I tend to watch those Netflix fraud documentaries, again, because I find the headspace of these people just like flabbergasting and also, you know, entertaining. For a Friday night, Jesse, you have watch. you have you have way too much time in your hands if you have time for TV. Honestly, I don't. But I, you know what? I I think that an Henry, hour and a half a on a Friday afternoon is a perfectly acceptable amount of time in my week. Today, not during business hours, Jesse. Not no, during business said, hours in the evening. Yeah, okay. that's what that's what I meant. When work is done, an hour and a half is not that much in the scheme of your your life. You know. They say that Americans watch TV, what, an average of 30 hours a week. I'm trying to push that average up, or at least I'm supporting that average, because I'm good for two or three hours a night on weeknights. It's how I unwind, and some more time on the weekends if there's anything going on, which oftentimes there isn't. I'm more of a book person, honest to God. Yeah, same here. Same here. I read an awful lot. Anyway, well, good uh, good security catch, Henry. And I take it that's uh, from your best buddy Krebs on security? It is from my best buddy Krebs. He's great. He's very, yeah. very good. Sue, catch of the week. What do you got, Jesse? So we'll, we'll see if this actually comes to fruition. But the announcement is that Canada is getting a quantum computer through a partnership between Quebec and IBM. And IBM announced third that they're going to deploy their first quantum computer to Canada. And they hope that it's going to be up and running by early next year. 
So that's kind of odd given that D-Wave is a Canadian company. And my catch is D-Wave is going public. So uh-huh. fascinating. So, uh, it's all kind of interesting, interesting. juxtaposition of that yes. stuff. I mean, D-Wave is kind of going public. They're going public through a SPAC. Yeah. Which is about as savory as it sounds. <laughs> I mean, there have been a lot of speculations and SPAC problems out there and splactastic explosions as well. I mean, it's interesting. Just to me, sounds a little sketchy. Oh, well. Yeah, it, so we'll, we'll see what here. happens on the quantum front when we, we take a look at Canada of all places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've got the temperatures for it. I mean, it gets you halfway down to that. True. Minus 159 C that you have to get to. They build it farther north and they're almost home on that. <laughs> it probably Welcome does save the, some money. The Arctic Circle Qubit Computation Lab. Yeah, yes. the problem is getting power up farther north is difficult. Getting There's enough no power up there. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Ottawa probably Sled has dog power. power. Hear from me out. The, uh, no, Ottawa has power from, uh, from all the uh, hydro. Well, bunch of hydro power, hydro, hydro Quebec, and all the hydro Quebec power. But going farther north might be difficult to get a lot of power. Well, run some lines. That's the solution. My catch of the week is I would like everybody to take a quick look, at least, at the 2022 Winter Classic Studio update show which is now on the Winter Classic website, which is winterclassicinvitational.com. You'll also see it in HPC Wire. But uh, Addison and I are in full-out sportscaster mode, including matching mustard yellow blazers embossed with the emblem of the 2022 Winter Classic Student Cluster Competition, including branded coffee mugs. It's a lot of fun to do. And Dan looks just like Howard Cosell. Yeah, I would hope so. I just wish I could do the voice. That would be even better. I'm not even going to attempt it here because it's foul. But, okay, with all of that, please keep listening. We need to add to the 16. And thank you for listening to this one. Let's go ahead and call it an episode. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. Reach out to us on email at podcast at Radio Free HPC or via Twitter at Radio Free HPC. As a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thanks again for listening.